0: The U.S. retirement system rates against the world. Hey, everyone. Adam Bergman here, tax attorney, and founder of IRA Financial. And on today's Adam Talks, we are going to compare the U.S. retirement system against some of the countries in the world. Kind of see how we're doing. Quick summary, we're not doing as well as we should. Kind of go through some of the elements of a successful country retirement system what are some of the factors involved elements that we have in some cases and are missing in others talk about some thoughts i have and some potential solutions how we can increase 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 savings for uh, the american people which is ultimately the most important thing so here's a quick summary we got a C plus and this is from the as i didn't do this myself this is from the Mercer CFA Institute Global Pension Index which was released uh, in mid-October, 2023. So we got a C plus, kind of give you a sneak peek on some of um, how some of the countries did. So you can kind of compare and contrast and then kind of explain why I think this is so important um, because um, there's a lot of factors going against um, America in terms of growth rates, population, and overall debt, uh, interest rates that um, you know make it even more important that we fix our retirement system. So here are the countries that got an A. Netherlands, Iceland, Denmark, and Israel. Um, B pluses, Australia, Finland, Singapore. Bs, Norway, Sweden, UK, Switzerland, Canada, Ireland, Chile, Uruguay, Belgium, New Zealand, Portugal, and Germany. There's C pluses, Kazakhstan, Hong Kong, the United States, UAE, Colombia, France, Spain, Croatia, C's, uh, Saudi Arabia, Poland, Japan, Italy, Malaysia, Brazil, Peru, China, Mexico, uh, South Korea, Taiwan, Australia, Austria, Austria, Indonesia, South Korea, and also uh, Botswana, and D's: Thailand, Turkey, India, Philippines, Argentina, and um, that's um where we stand so we did okay c plus uh but i think if you look at who the b pluses and b's are i mean australia finland singapore um b's canada i mean we, we should be doing better in canada um, portugal's in b um and yes if if you look for a trend sure a lot of the european countries that have more of a government intensive retirement system that has kind of a private, a public and kind of a forced private, more of a three tier, which is synonymous with Netherlands and a lot of the uh, European countries that obviously gives the um, citizenry of, of those countries a uh, larger pot at the end because you do have a private system, but you also have a public system and more employers are forced into the um, system to help contributions. For example, in Netherlands, like 92% of companies, 91% of employees are covered. And because a lot of these employers have industrial relation agreements that force them to provide benefits. Um, We have labor unions in the United States, but uh, most small and mid-sized companies are not part of any labor union relationship. That's not the case in some um, European countries. So that's just one factor. But um, wherever you stand on that, there's still more we can do, which I'll get into in a minute. So let me just go through some interesting statistics, um, kind of shed light on, on where we stand today. So we came in 22nd out of 47 countries, um, slightly lower score than a year ago. So obviously, the way we save is through Social Security and 401ks, right? Over the last 20 years, there's less and less defined benefit pension plans, which was more synonymous with like General Electric, IBM, larger companies in the 50s, 60s, for GE that had very, very strong pension plans. Unfortunately, they were very costly to the employers. And that's why when ERISA was created in 1974, a lot of companies moved away from DB plans to DC, defined contribution plans, which put more of the responsibility on the employee versus the employer. Whereas a defined benefit pension plan, The employer has pension responsibilities you know based off age years of service and that goes uh really until they leave the company and then there's a responsibility on behalf of that employer to continue making pension payments to those former employees so it's obviously very good for the employee but a much bigger burden for the employer and that's why there's been a strong movement to define contribution plans where uh, once they leave, the employer doesn't have responsibilities because they're not defined benefit plans, and more of the responsibility falls on the shoulders of the employees. So we have a system that generally provides benefits to like, white collar labor union employees, government employees, state um, employees. But for small and mid-sized businesses, you know, generally only half of these businesses are offering 401k benefits. Yes, there are IRA benefits that anyone could make contributions to so long as you have income. But unfortunately, you're not opted in on that. That's something that you have to um, kind of electively decide to do. Now, there are some state IRA programs that are continuing to pop up, but it's in the minority. Most states do not force small employers to offer any type of retirement plan, including a state IRA program. That could change. So why is this even more important? Why am I talking about this other than you know just kind of it's always interesting to see how the US compares to other systems. Well, it's going to get tougher. Why? We have demographic challenges. Um obviously the baby boomers are getting older, there's more and more people getting to the age of retirement. 10,000 baby boomers are retiring that day. And that has major consequences for our system, right? That's more money paying out. The way the system works kind of like a Ponzi scheme, to be honest, you need money going out, but money needs to keep coming in. The issue is we're having less kids, less people are entering the workforce, more people are retiring than coming into the workforce. So obviously what happens is you have more money going out than coming in. That puts a lot of stress on the social security system and on the government, which we know is what is going to happen based off government calculations that in the next 15 years or so, Social Security could run out of money. So this puts even a greater responsibility on you and me to take retirement savings into our own hands and uh, proactively save. So um, again, just one thing to clear, this index rates the best systems, the best retirement system, not necessarily the best countries to live, right? I still think the United States, obviously is the best country in the world. It's the best place to live, hands down. Uh, That's why millions of folks are trying to enter our country because it's the best country in the world. Doesn't mean we have the best retirement system, but um, there are things we can do. So I also wanted to focus on Netherlands. Why? Because it was rated the best retirement system. And as I mentioned, the reason it's the best retirement system, not the best country to live in as a retiree, but the best retirement system is it has a private and public pension account. And as I mentioned. 91 percent of companies offer plans uh 91 of employees uh are are participating and there's essentially you know public private which is almost semi-mandatory because of the industrial relations agreements and then there's also a supplementary private plan where you can keep adding more money to it so it's it's three layers which actually makes the most sense right you have kind of social security you have more of a you know forced public plan and then you have a private augmented plan that allows um, you know, employees of private businesses to add money to it. Um, the issue we have in America is that the way the 401k system works is employers have the burden. So if you do offer a plan, you don't have to, as I mentioned, but if you do, uh, number one, generally most small business plans of you know two to hundred employees, We'll do what's called a safe harbor plan, which generally requires the employer to do a 3% match of an employee's salary so long as they participate. So let's say you have 10 employees that make on a 50K each, just to keep the numbers simple. So that's 50K, 3% of 50K is 1500 bucks times 10, that's 15000 bucks. the employer needs to come up with to uh, make contributions on behalf of their elect- eligible employees. Now that contribution is tax deductible but it's still a cash flow burden on the employer. On top of that they have to hire a plan administrator which can cost a couple grand a year, a record keeper. So there's some additional cost which can for a, a company of 10 employees, you know, that's maybe an additional cost of 20 or so thousand dollars to offer a 401k. Now a number obviously around 50 or so percent of small businesses offer plans which is great. But I get it right There's a burden. Um, I've always suggested, hey, maybe just require the employer to offer the plan, but maybe take away that three or four uh, percent match. Uh, maybe only do that for companies of 50 or more employees. So let's get the smaller companies of one to fifty just to offer the plan and then obviously maybe automatically enroll people, encourage them to do the three percent, but don't force the employer to make matching three percent contribution which, you know, puts a big burden on the employer. There's some other stuff we can do too, right? We have something called an earned income credit. An earned income credit is if you make less than, uh, it's around $58,000 or so. Um, what that means is the government, um, yeah, it's about 56,000 if you're married, sorry, 63 if you're married, file jointly. The government will give you a credit, basically that reduces your taxable income, uh, 7,500 or so if you have three or more kids. Sixty-six hundred if you have two kids, thirty-nine, uh, almost four grand if you have one kid, um, and six hundred bucks if you have no qualifying kids. So this is for every family that has less than fifty-six thousand eight hundred single or sixty-three. Um, for three or more children, goes down a little bit, fifty-two or sixty if you have two kids. So if you make more than sixty, less than sixty K and you have two kids, you'll get a earned income credit. Earned income credit about sixty six hundred bucks, which will basically reduce your taxable income to zero. And you may get some extra. You will probably get some extra money as well. So there's, I, I wrote about this a couple of years ago, and this has been out there. But saying, hey, why don't you do this instead of giving them a credit? Say, okay, maybe give them half of the money in a credit, but maybe put half that money in an IRA or a Roth IRA. So based off the time value of money, let's say. You get six thousand bucks, okay? and you put three thousand dollars for each kid in or two thousand or three thousand for each kid in a Roth IRA. and it, it, you do that till they're eighteen years old. If you do that from one to eighteen, assuming a six percent rate of return, they'll have eighty five thousand bucks tax free when they're eighteen, which can help for school or uh, buy a house. If you do a seven percent rate of return, 92,500, right? So this is only on $3,000 from each kid being one to 18. Um, so you say, hey, give you a credit. So you kind of zero out your tax for that year. And then instead of just giving you extra money you can put in your pocket, uh, maybe we'll we'll put that in savings for you in a Roth IRA. You can't touch till you're maybe 18 or, or later. We can, some type of Roth IRA type earned income credit that once they're 18 or maybe instead of 18, maybe you want to do 21, now, instead of having um, 80 or 95, you'll have 123,000, right? And then with that money, they can use that for school or buy a house. And, you know, that's obviously a huge benefit for someone that is making, it's part of a family that makes less than 60,000 bucks. They potentially have, could have monst- a massive amount of savings more than most of us uh, at that age. Uh, again, I'm not sure how it would work or I'm not even saying this is something, um that makes sense, but it just shows you the time value of money. And instead of giving an earning income credit, we can help uh, more Americans save for retirement. You know, maybe we do this for everyone, excuse me. Maybe we do this for anyone that makes, you know, every every kid gets one of these of a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks. So let's say we just do uh, 1500 bucks a kid from one to, from one to 21 assuming a 7% rate of return, that's about 61,500. So everyone gets a little bump. Now, will that cause inflation? Yeah, maybe because everyone gets it. But if you leave it in the Roth IRA, and they can't touch it maybe until they're 21 or 31 or 41 or 59, whatever it is, it's a forced savings that will really help our retirement system and help us catch up to Netherlands and some of these other countries. So there you go. And that's the podcast for today. You know, C plus, hopefully we'll do better next year. But I think the important part is we got to incentivize more small businesses to offer plans, incentivize more Americans to save. Yeah, I know it's tough. Um, inflation, interest rates, every dollar gets stretched. But maybe through this earned income credit Roth program, we can give people a safety net um, from basically till they're born, until they're 18, where instead of all that money goes to an earned income credit, maybe a little bit goes to each child. So then then when they're older, they're gonna have a forced basically retirement account that will uh, supplement any social security or any other savings um, they receive. So thank you again for um, hanging out with me today. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, If you have a question, comment, leave it. Look forward to uh, next week, Um, obviously uh, check it out. And uh, thanks again for hanging out with me. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Take care.